Welcome to the Difference Makers podcast presented by Waterproof. I'm your host, Justin Tamani. In this podcast, you'll hear from some of the top coaches, brand managers, and athletes on earth. From starting out to where they are now, we'll explore the journey of how they became a Difference Maker. Before we keep going, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to hear more from the Difference Makers. Wadproof Bionic is a revolutionary mobile technology to measure and improve your mobility, flexibility, and range of motion. After completing a series of mobility tests, Bionic has everything needed to build the daily sessions tailored to your body. Bionic will help you perform and recover faster than ever. Ready to become Bionic? Download the Wadproof app now. All right, we are live, guys. This is the Difference Makers podcast. My name is Justin Tamani. I will be your host today. Before we get started, just want to remind you, give us a like, subscribe to the podcast. We're on all major platforms, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, yeah, drop us a subscribe, leave us a comment, let us know what you want to see from the podcast going forward. Today we have with us Greg Hammond. Now Greg is on the Concept2 marketing team. He has been with the company for over 25 years now, which is crazy impressive and he's seen so much but uh concept two you think okay where have i heard that before that is all the ergs that you see in your crossfit box every day so the rowers ski ergs the bike erg so greg thank you welcome to the show yeah thanks for having me so we we talked briefly before we started here and you said you've been with the company for 26 years yeah started um initially i got my degrees in health science uh, and i had my own business in maine for a while doing corporate fitness, um, happened to be buying a lot of rowing machines that were from Vermont, where I'm from, and um, just said if I ever wasn't going to do what I was doing, I would like to go work for that company and and then move back to Vermont, happened to know somebody who worked here and been here ever since. So I've done almost every job imaginable here from production to marketing to you name it. So, Okay. So you're specifically in the marketing department right now? Yep. Yeah, right and now. Said, and you said you deal with CrossFit and action sports. Yeah, there's everyone kind of has like their little markets that they do. I tend to go towards the markets of the sports that I've either done or enjoy so that there's some relatability to the athletes. Um, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, someone saying, you know, working with a, a group that doesn't actually know the group well or do the sports themselves. And so pretty much um, be like, before CrossFit, I did sports like motocross and rugby and um, just a bunch of sports that I enjoyed. And I said, I want to go work with those markets. So I went for those first. And then um, and uh, I was doing jujitsu at the time. So we worked with a lot of the MMA athletes. So we just called it action sports to be overarching. And then through those groups uh, is when CrossFit came out. And then I started CrossFitting after my first, after seeing my first level one, not even knowing what CrossFit was. And then I've been doing that ever since. And so when you say you, you saw your first level one, what year was that? So that would have been back. So, uh, yeah. So the way it worked out is that Greg and Dave were working with some of the, with the Navy out of San Diego, out of Coronado, and they needed somebody that was prior service to, um, just teach the rowing portion of it to get onto the base, to the section of the base that we were going to work on. Um, and when, so they asked here, is there anybody that would go out there and teach rowing? And I was like, I'm a big fan of the military and said, Oh, I'll go in a heartbeat and, um, went out there not even really knowing what CrossFit was other than looking at the website before I left, you know, in there, didn't know anything about Greg, didn't know anything about Dave, didn't know. Cause at that point, I don't even know if, I mean, Greg was in San, was in Santa Cruz, but, um, it was still really new and, um, it was probably 2007. Okay. I, I would think I'm get. I mean, yeah, it's right around there. It was before the games were even thought of. Um, and so, yeah, maybe late 2006, 2007, something like that. And um, I was so impressed. I went out there with my degree in health science, you know, and I saw this guy basically in two days say everything that I learned and helped, you know, but explained it better than my college professors and just seemed more legitimate. And then when I came home from that trip, I was one of those CrossFit forum nerds uh, asking if anybody else in Vermont was doing it. Nobody was. We had zero affiliates in Vermont um, until 2010. So I oh, changed wow. our, our workout room here at Concept 
two went from being all ergs to I would bring in a pull-up bar. I bring up my, my Olympic bar. And then I was the crazy guy at work. Like what's Greg doing in there? And I'd be, nobody knew, yeah. you know, what's doing. So that story. And when you said the CrossFit forum, I don't even think, I, I mean, my guess is most people here don't even know what that is, or most people listening don't know what that is, but the old CrossFit.com was a workout of the day. So every day they would put up one workout and then there was like a forum where everybody would post their scores and, um, you know, chat and, and communicate through there. Correct. Yeah, it's um, it was great because and I actually I wish that they would either re-release it. Like I went maybe about two months ago, I tried to find some old forum posts because I mean it was really the OG. It was the base of the pyramid folks at CrossFit. Like Greg would answer his own questions in there, stuff like that. And I'm like, man, I missed that. I want to try to get back there and I couldn't find it. But like um, if you were a rugby player and you wanted to find out CrossFit about rugby, you would go in there and go to the forum and search the word rugby and you'd see everybody who's doing it for that sport. Or um, I wanted to find it too, because um, a long time uh, CrossFitter and he actually was a part owner of CrossFit Costa Mesa. This guy, Chris Warden, who also was a photographer at the games a couple of years. Um, I didn't know him at the time, but he knew motocross. I was doing motocross and I said, Oh, this would be perfect for motocross. And somewhere in that forum way back when I actually posted is anybody else out there, doing CrossFit for motocross and Chris Warden ended up writing back to me. And then we became long friends after, after that we still are today. So it's kind of cool. That's funny. See, I mean, this is like stuff that almost doesn't exist in that way anymore. Like, especially in the CrossFit space, people meet through other means and that, but not the way that it was back in the day. Well, you think about it, you know, we didn't have really have an Instagram or anything like that. So, yeah, you know, if you wanted to post your times or, you know, find somebody in your area doing CrossFit, or if you're a new affiliate owner and just had a question on how to run your business, it was the one-stop shopping for all that. And now there's almost too much, you know, on there. That was the one, it was much more of a family feel with the old forum. It yeah. was really a fun thing. Yeah. So with your, you know, you've met Greg, you met Dave, and then you got into the CrossFit world. Did they bring you in or with Concept2 or anything? for some of those early CrossFit games? Yeah. So um, matter of fact, I think it was the first year or second year in Aromas, we actually Concept2 bought all the water for the athletes and the spectators, which we joke about because it was like one really tall pallet of bottled water. And we had especially labeled that said Aromas games. I think now I think about it's 2008 that we did that. And now we go to the games and I talk to my coworkers and I'm like, you think we could buy water for everybody here? <laughs> you know, cause it was <laughs> at the time, that was a big, they're really appreciative. I mean, it wasn't all that much money in the scheme of things, um, but it's what they needed. And we wanted to play with these guys because they were just so fun. I mean, back then, um, you know, like I said, it was very much a family feel and it was a party. Like yeah. um, the first games, it was crazy. You would see guys like having a beer between events. Like they'd get off after and go back for the next events. You know, it was, it was, um, it was truly I know we say the games now are, is a festival, but back then it was, it felt more like a festival. Yeah. A smaller group. That feels more like a, like a slow pitch tournament on a Sunday than it does like, you know, going to watch like the Blue Jays or somebody like that play. It was, but I mean, our minds were blown by guys doing like 135 pound overhead, you know, it's like the yeah. numbers that now that you'd be like, okay, that, you know, high school uh, female track runner is doing you know yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's crazy yeah it speaks to the growth of of the sport and the development of the sport but speaking of of growth and development like concept two what was that growth like when crossfit kind of came into the space and when it kind of really boomed through the the 2010 12 you know in that range what what did that do for concept two uh, well, you know, like personally, it made my job a hell of a lot more fun. Um, that was the big thing. I mean, I, I really lucked out in the fact that, you know, I was doing and talking and, and, and working with people that were either like-minded or I'd met on the road and were just super cool. And, you know, like I was, we were mentioning before, I think when we came into it, there might've been right around a hundred affiliates maybe in there that we really when we really started going and so when they would call for to buy rowers or they would call to buy parts you would remember the affiliate owner's name like hey what's going on you know or you would have yeah. saw the games or something like that 
and then quickly it, it just started, you know, that whole curve just went really steep. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I would think that our trajectory, you know, would have mimicked what CrossFit's was as the affiliates started opening up, you know, they needed equipment. Um, but it was slow at first because the original affiliates, you know, weren't buying a lot of equipment. Um, they're yeah. either trying to buy it used or, you know, I mean, the original affiliates, a lot of them were still warehouses with, uh, you know, if you had a bathroom, it was like, great. You know, that's all. Yeah. You had a portal outside and, you know, their signage was basically big tires outside, you know, back when yeah. we still flip tires and CrossFit, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So it definitely helped our business. But like I said, it also made our business more fun because before that, it was a lot of on water rowing. I mean, that's our background. We were owned yeah. by electric rowers. We would go to regattas, you know, and, you know, no offense to on water rowers. Uh, they don't, they're a little more, they're not, they're not as, uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, party oriented or, you know, it just wasn't a, a fit for me because I never rowed in college. Um, yeah. So it's great for other people. That's why when we say we have a marketing team, we have people that, road in college or road at a very high level and that's kind of their focus so then everyone kind of picks their little area so with with the rowing and where you guys got started it wasn't the boats that you guys got started with correct it was oars yeah so we never did boats which is good because there's lots of boat companies um we're the world leader in oars um by a lot um so like last olympics i think it was like almost 80 low 80 percent of all the oars in the olympics were made here in morrisville vermont um oh, wow. so, and we've been doing oars since 1976 and we've been doing rowing machines since 1982 so um it's you know it started with oars the the two brothers that own concept two um i believe it was the first uh composite oar, but they're still using wood i think for a lot of the stuff or um yeah. so they changed the game and then the two brothers are incredibly smart that own the company and they did some blade design changes when the blades stopped looking like what you would think of a robo or and started looking what they call hatchets or hatchet blade oars. the performance and rowing went through the roof and that's when they really started taking off but then like anything else we're in vermont it's cold you can't train in the winter so they're like we're going to make a machine that will replicate the training we need for the water and then that's when the model a came out the one that had like a, has like a bicycle wheel in the front you know they're still it, out there it almost looks like a wagon wheel or something right yeah yeah well it literally was a bicycle wheel um with a weight that was welded and we did all the welding here onto the rim and plastic cards for the for the fan um but i think i think every machine we ever made is still in use um we actually sell a pm5 which is our modern monitor yeah uh, kit that will go on these old model a's from yeah. 82 and uh we sell a bunch of them so people are still using those old those old so, machines so i have a friend who's a metal smith metal guy yeah. and he refurbished a model a yeah. and i was trying to find the picture of it before we started so i could show you but couldn't find it but yeah he has a model a and i've, I've seen it i've never used it but it just it you know like you see a current rower model d and you're like, okay, it's very streamlined. It looks clean. Everything's covered. Everything's protected. This thing has a wheel that if you get in the way of, like, you're going to lose a limb. Like, uh, You know, I, it's funny, and I don't want to give anybody uh, ideas or anything like that, but I am always, even when I came on, you know, that we were already into the Model Bs when I would came on. I'm like, how did somebody not lose a finger in that thing when they're doing it? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, we've got some great old pictures because we started in a barn, literally when the, the brothers owned a barn and you know cows downstairs and they build stuff up there and like i said we were welding our own rings on the things um you know it's like it's really old school stuff but it changed the game um the first world championships for indoor rowing i believe were like in the 80s so it went from the first real rowing machine other than those piston rollers to uh you know world championships to where we are now um and you know you think about it it doesn't wasn't really all that long no and where you are now like you know just to use crossfit as a reference point there was 80 people simultaneously rowing a marathon row at the crossfit games in 2018 yeah so i mean is that was that the first time a marathon row had been done no marathons have always been a thing um individually like 
we do a lot of online challenges and, um, you know, those of us here at work, you know, we'll do a couple marathons a year. Um, I mean, okay. we have a marathon records for 90 year olds, you know, so it's, that's why it was so funny that we had these elite athletes that were crying after a marathon yeah. uh, and we have 90 year olds do it. The difference was, is that some did, you know, the, the crossers were doing it in two hours and 50 minutes and you know, the 90 year olds are doing five hours. So the intensity yeah. isn't there, but the ability to sit and go back and forth is just how tough is your butt, you know, and, and stuff yeah. on there. But that was the, that was the first time we ever did a marathon as a group cabled with racing equipment. And that's where the stress came in. That's where I was very nervous, you know, because we did that. We did the half marathon first and then the marathon. Yeah. So. When they did the half marathon. So the half marathon was probably 2014, 15, 14, so 13, 14, somewhere in that range. It was earlier, but yeah, I can't remember. It's all Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was 12. Yeah. Uh, um, so you guys did 2000 meters as a scoring point or they, the, the games did. <coughs> excuse me, did 2000 meters as a scoring point right into your half marathon time, which was even crazier. Um, you know, so to give you a little bit of background is so like the way it works is, um, we basically tell CrossFit we're here for you. Let us know how we can help and, and let us know. And so they do their programming. And then if there's anything to do with us, then, then they hit us up just on our, like, I never know the event the other events or anything like that but if there's anything where they needed to cable with our rowers where they need our software and all that other stuff then they tell me and um you know they asked first if a half marathon was possible and i said yes and then they said um you know can we do this two races in one thing and i said yes to dave but before i checked with our it guys that and oh, no. i went back and i said hey this is what we're gonna do and they're like we can't do that and i'm like what do you mean you can't do that i already told them we could do that and so then they ended up like rewriting the software and so they could get a timestamp at exactly 2k. I mean, there was a lot of, we spent a lot of money trying to make it work, but then we realized that, you know, other people are going to want to do this too. So it wasn't like we wasted it on one event, you know, that's something that we can use and we've used in the past, but yeah, yeah it was a 2k. And then I remember too, Jason Kalipa, you know, won that for the men. And yeah, if you ask me when he won the 2k, I told everybody he's done. I go, he just wanted to get those points and he's going to cruise it in. And he just made me look like an idiot because he, I talked to him after, I think he did the, the two K in like, what did he get? It was like low sixes or high fives or something crazy like that. And then he gave himself a hundred strokes to rest. And then he went back to his average pace that he knew he could hold. And he just sat there on that average pace. And it just, I mean, I mean, I love Jason, but I never thought, that he could do that like i was like oh he's done he's done the whole time i was just like he's done he's gonna die. and he did he did amazing so that's crazy i i knew that that year was that like he's a good rower and he's a, he's good on the machines but i think that was that hinshaw year where he'd, he'd been working with chris and you're he, right it was yeah it kind of turned over for him i mean that that those splits are super impressive and i don't think that too many people are going to try to replicate that you know, what's great about it too. It's helped us. You know, we love the sport of rowing is that if you look at old rowing technique from aromas, uh, basically they're using the rowing machine, like a, a repetitive deadlift and their yeah. technique was really weird. And people had this idea that, you know, if I really lay back really far and do all this stuff, then it's going to be like, I'm taller and taller people do better at rowing and this weird stuff going on. Um, once they started doing the distance rowing, crossers were forced to learn technique or at least start to focus it on there. And then that kind of changed the game. Now you go to a, you know, an elite level CrossFit event and everyone's rowing is pretty dialed in, you yeah. know, and, it, and it, it goes, I always said too, it's like, there's a lot of sloppy rowing and affiliates. It gets a little bit better back when we had regionals, their regional athletes look a little bit better. And by the time they get to the top, they've got it figured out. They either found someone to teach them or, you know, they, or they look, watch a lot of video or something like that. And it gets cleaned up a lot. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are spending so many hours on the ergs right now, just trying to get better. Oops. Sorry, just muted myself. Yeah. Um, did, how did that, how did the skier become the next kind of evolution of the, uh, the rower? 
Well, it's, it's, it's funny. So the owners of Concept2 obviously were Olympic rowers, but their kids were Olympic biathletes, ski and shoot biathletes. Um, that that and, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, and then a lot of us being in Vermont, we're all skiers. Like I coached Nordic ski racing and, you know, a lot of my other coworkers here coached other schools and stuff. So we were basically selfishly made the um, skiered for ourselves. And so we had it so we could train and then basically made it its own product for, for, um, for skiers in mind, just like we do with the rower, you know, we made the rower initially for on water rowers and then the world found it. We made the skier for skiers and then the world found it. Um, as far as I know, I never asked Dave of this, but I never thought Dave liked the skier. I, I never, I didn't think the skier would ever make it into the games. Um, just because I just didn't think that, you know, the old staying way back when across it is that, uh, we make machines, we don't use them. Yeah. And, and yet they use the rowing machine. So it was almost like it kind of looked bad if they started adding more machines. But um, I don't know if, if the um, assault bike was in before the skier or about the same time, but that kind of opened the window. But as far as a modality goes, I think the skier gets great for CrossFit because of the fact that it's a hip closing and we do so much hip opening movement that mm -hmm. you know, other than say a toes to bar or a ball slam or an ab mat sit up that you're not going to do for 20 minutes, you know, an hour you know, marathon or something like that. You can do that on the skiered. Um, I mean, it's personally my favorite of the three machines we make on there. Um, yeah. How it made it in there. I, I don't even remember like the year that it first came in. I'm, I'm thinking 2015, but that might be just bad memory. Oh, do, here's what's remember way back when, and I don't know if it was called sectionals then or not. Albany, New York had their, whatever sectional regional whatever they're calling it at the time and we had the skiered one which is this gray machine it was our first attempt at a skier and they were the first people to put it in a crossfit event um, oh yeah so it would have been sectionals because they all programmed their own events back then yep so jason ackerman put it in he probably should get credit for the putting the skier in the first ever crossfit event yeah. hmm. yeah. i feel like I mean, I love the skier and I, I ended up using the skier quite a bit when I had a, a knee issue and, uh, it's, it is a very different stimulus. Like for people who haven't spent a lot of time on it, it is different. You know, obviously when you see the metrics, we still get 500 meter splits and all that, but just being able to hold them and being able to maintain them is such a different feeling on the rower versus the skier. Oh yeah. I mean, people always want to compare the three machines, but I mean, it's, it's very different. The, the wave of contraction of the muscles is different. And I mean, really the only thing is that I guess that, you know, they all can be used for, for, uh, for endurance or they could be used for intensity. Um, but, uh, you know, the monitors are all the same, but other than that, um, you know, they're, they're very different in what they do. The, the skier now, I mean, though it's, it's crazy the amount of, uh, different sports that picked it up. I mean, everything from there was just um, Ronaldo, the soccer player, was just posted on Instagram on the skier. I mean, we got F1 drivers using the skier. All the motocross, pro motocross guys seem to be into it. And then, like you said, the real forte of it, I think that it's amazing, is the adaptive athletes. It's like, I don't care, between our three machines, I don't care what your um, – you know, a disability or, you know, or limb loss or anything like that you have, there's a machine that will work for you. Um, any seated athlete, the skier is amazing for. So anybody in a wheelchair, yeah. recovering from an injury. Yeah. And it feels more natural too than, you know, adjusting a rower or, you know, well, I mean, obviously depending on extremities in that using the bike might be limited, limited, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've always been a big fan of skier and I feel like it's one of those things I need to use more of, even though like I use it a lot when I was rehabbing and now I'm like, why don't I use that for this? Yeah. You know, like I'm thinking about the workouts I'm doing today. I'm like, why did I write con uh, excuse me, a row instead of erg, like or a ski erg would have been better. You should try for a while. Even if they just say like take a month or two and just make that the erg of choice. And they're going to see some, first of all, they're going to learn it better. They're going to learn to pace it better. Cause a lot of people yeah. are just don't know how to pace it based on the distance that they need to for the wad. Whereas the rower, they can maybe a little bit easier and the bikes always, you know, a little bit easier as far as pacing they can do. You don't have to worry about, you know, how quickly your quads are blowing up. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you know, the other thing that's nice about the skier is you know, like you can nitpick rowing technique all day long. There's always something to fix. 
Yeah. Whereas if you look at the skier and you're just trying to beat the machine, you know, it's not as nitpicky. There is definitely a technique to it where you can do get better splits with less output just by, you know, either quickening your tempo or not going down so low with your hands and stuff like that. But it's not like rowing where there's an infinite number of things to fix, you know? Yeah. With the, uh, the biker, I don't know if you've ever had people say this to you or not, but I find that I sweat if I'm going at a decent pace on a biker, I sweat significantly more than on the rower or the ski. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but I mean, all of our machines, like so people tend to like to DM me sweat puddle pictures. So in my <laughs> Instagram, it's almost like I could have a competition of how big the sweat puddles are on all their equipment. But yeah, the rower, I mean the bike specifically because your upper body's not moving. So you're not air cooling your skin. I think that just because you're over the bike like that, it just drips on that bike. Yeah. We get some, we actually had one guy that said that he was filling his seat tube with sweat every time. And he's wondering if there's some way to make like a gator around it. And when we're like, dude, how much are you sweating? That's, that's crazy. How is um, that happening? Yeah. I mean, well, we have guys that do 24 hour events and, you know, yeah. I mean, in any, there's always those people like, even before we started talking, I got a, a DM about, I want to do um, an Ironman on all three of your pieces of equipment. What's the equivalent distance for Ironman triathlon lengths? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I go, I go, I've never really figured it out, you know? So, um, but yeah, How there's always somebody that? That, that wants to take it to the extreme with our equipment. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a cool thing to, to potentially document, but I wonder how you'd, you'd sub the swim for the ski, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we have what's called ergathlon. And so, yeah. um, well, like acid bath, you, you yeah. know, made that famous in Dubai. I mean, that's an ergathlon, but that we would consider that like an ultra sprint or a sprint triathlon, yeah. you know, on there. Um, I mean, that's still one of the most gnarly, I think, wads out there. I mean, if you go hard on acid bath, it's it, you, there's nothing to replicate that, that, that leg burn. So, no. Yeah. That. <laughs> Do you find that stuff like that when they come out, are they good selling points for the, the equipment? Yeah. So it's funny. Uh, before <laughs> we used to be way back when and you're too young to know. And, and, you know, a lot of these guys. So when we, before CrossFit, every gym had a model B rower, but it was always pushed to the back of the room. And it was always some gray haired person, you know, watching Oprah while they row. As soon as we made someone throw up, people loved us. You know, they're like, Oh my God rode so hard I threw up next thing you know everybody wants a rower so we were kind of marketing it wrong you know it's um people never knew the amount of intensity you could get out of our equipment other than on water rowers that of course knew it you know um I mean I, when we first started you know the 2k is the standard like say you want to make a, a college uh, crew program yeah. you're gonna ask you what your 2k is so everyone yeah. for, for 2k which that time domain is just brutal you know it's a little bit long for an all-out sprint a little bit short for endurance on there um and even now like we did so many of them when i was first started working here that if someone told me i had to do a uh i'd rather do a 10k than a 2k basically is what i'm trying to say yeah because it's it's just so painful <laughs> oh i yeah the 2k is is kind of a nightmare for me i'm not a tall guy if you can't tell the 2k is a nightmare yeah, I remember training for so long and so many hours on the rower to get my 2K time down by like 15 seconds. And I was like, oh, that's no. the other thing, too. So I take a lot of the training questions here and people don't realize they're like, how can I, you know, shave? Oh, I have a, or I have a race in, in a month or two. And how can I get this for my overall time for a 2K? And, you know, yeah, I got to be like, you're not, <laughs> you know, yeah. unless your technique is so bad that we can clean it by technique. Um, you know, it could take a lot. I mean, a second is a long time, Yeah. you know, um, to take 15 seconds off is like, listen, you better make that your primary training tool until your competition. You know? Yeah. You know what? I will say, I just looked it up when you said the model B thing. Yep. So my dad probably in the late nineties bought a model C. <laughs> so I had a model C with the wood handle yeah. in my basement all throughout high school, uh, Probably into when I was in university. I think he sold it. Mm. But now he has a model. He's got a Model D mm. and he's retired. And the other day he's like, hey, so I'm, I'm, I'm rowing every day now. 
He's like, I, I add like 500 meters every day and I just kind of get on there. So the last time I talked to him, he was up to like, he would do like five, four or five K and then lift some weights and then just kind of uh, row for a little bit and watch TV. Yeah, I mean, it's um, so my parents, the same thing is, you know, my dad will put on the news in the morning, you know, and just row for the length of, the, of a news cast. But I mean, for somebody who's not training for something specific, just that 20 minutes of total body exercise, if they can do it and feel good about it, then I mean, that's that's amazing. I mean, we have a lot of those people that that's, that's why they bought the equipment is they're just yeah. going to go while they watch TV and, you know. Although we do, like I said, we have the racing age groups. We're probably the only sport that has a 95 plus age group. You know, we, we get scores all the time when people are 95 plus in all the different distances on all three machines, you know. So, wow. yeah, it's um, well, mainly because our machines are very low impact. So if you oh, yeah. you could have no ACL, you could have, you know, bad shoulders, you can have all this stuff. And, you know, depending on your intensity, you can you can do our equipment forever. Okay, but 95 plus is super impressive. Yeah, um, there was a 90, I think we even had a 100-year-old guy at Crash Bees one year. Um, it was three generations all raced at Crash Bees. Someone had to fact check that. It was it was close to 100. When the guy walked up to his erg, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but he, he did it. That's That's crazy. I was about to ask about some of the more memorable experiences, and I'm guessing that has to be one of them. Yeah. I mean, there's been so many, I, I've been, I've been lucky. I think most of my memorable experiences have probably come around, you know, people I've met by doing this, just like yeah, people I wouldn't normally like with the MMA stuff, like, you know, meeting people that you just really look up to or, you know, and, and with the motocross stuff going to, to races and, and just people you see on TV, just chatting with them. Um, I mean, I've been really lucky. I've gotten to travel around and, talk to some amazing people over the years like even even hanging out with greg back in the day like to say now yeah. that i got to spend i think i spent two full weeks at camp lejeune when the marine corps was trying to adopt crossfit and just hanging out with greg i mean it was so at the time it was just some guy really nice guy i liked hanging out with him it was fun to hang out with him but then then crossfit got huge and i'd only see greg at the games you know that kind of thing so yeah i feel mm -hmm. pretty lucky yeah, I mean that's that's got to be an experience right there. Like you see Greg do like a, a seminar online, you know, some of the old CrossFit videos on YouTube and that 10 minutes Greg talking. Now multiply that out for like days at a time or, you know, yeah. full seminar like that would be you know, say what you want about the guy. I know some people have mixed opinions and whatnot, but he he really revolutionized the way that we look at training in sport. I would say, you know, I've been in the fitness industry my whole life, you know, basically since college. And I would say that Greg was the most influential uh, person in fitness in the past 30 years. It's one that's changed it the most, changed the philosophy, um, even when he was getting completely, you know, the, you know, all the other trainer, existing trainers were telling him, you know, it's crazy and everyone's going to get hurt and all this stuff. And he just stood his ground and said, we're not. And here's the facts and all that stuff. So, again, you know, like you said, you know, don't judge him, you know, on, on some of the stories that people hear. If you just judged him on was he an influencer and a changer of the sport? Well, not even the sport, just fitness as a whole, making people's lives better. Um, I mean, look at how many people he got fit. I mean, it changed my, what I was doing for training and I've oh. never looked back, you know, so. Like the impact he's had on my entire life without ever meeting, meeting him is crazy. Yeah. Um, and then you look at, um, I love it when we see like the games, like, you know, it'll be some small affiliate could like could be in Peru or some crazy small country and they've never met him either. And they might not even know his name, but they, yeah. you know, they that's why I really, like even in my affiliate, we have a, a lot of members and there's a lot of young guys. And I mean, they don't even go back to Matt Chan and some of these, you know, Chris Spieler and some of these, they don't even know who they are. And, and yeah. I hate to say it. I bet you if I said Greg Glassman and maybe a third wouldn't even know who he was. And these are people who go to CrossFit, you know, three times a week. And that's probably mostly because of stuff that happened through the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of people from, you know, the traditional global gyms that ended up switching over to CrossFit afterwards. Yeah. Did the, the pandemic have an impact on, on concept two in any way? Like, oh, were you guys? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, both good and bad. I mean, yeah, it was good in the fact that people were getting stuff for home, but mm -hmm. at the same time, we couldn't get parts. So we had like an eight week backlog and um, we had a lot of panic buying folks that were not easy to work with. They, they weren't fitness people. They just, we were, we were the toilet paper of fitness industry. Like, Oh, yeah. we need it. You know, they don't even know if they're going to use it, but they need to have it and they need to have it right now. And you tell them that it was going to be eight weeks and they would basically call you a liar and said, no, you've got a stash somewhere. So we're like, we don't, um, <laughs> and, you know, getting parts that we need, you know, was tough. And, um, you know, for me, I went from doing marketing and traveling around and seeing all these great people and doing all this event to basically working from my kitchen table. Um, doing more customer service type stuff. And so it sucked for me. It was, you know, it was great as far as the people that the sales that came out of it, but um, you know, it, it, I don't want to do it again. I know that. Yeah. Have things uh, since then, have your roles changed back to kind of what they were before within the company or are you doing different things now? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely changed, but it's going, it's going back. Um just recently, I'm, we're starting to get more requests for equipment for competition. So we know it's getting better. Um, you know, the fact that the games will happen again in Madison is cool. You know, there's stuff to look forward to. We went to the Rogue Invitational, um, you know, during the pandemic. That was great for me because it just felt like, okay, we're back now. Um, yeah. You know, that's an amazing event. I mean, to me, Rogue Invitational is at the same level as the games. I mean, I have just as much fun. You know, it's a very well-run event. You know, it's it's great. Yeah, the uh, the Rogue event this year was really well done. And it was unique being out in the middle of that baseball diamond the way it was. It was. I mean, it was a little stressful because there wasn't a lot of, um, like, if weather had turned bad. Like, when this is all stuff you think about when you have equipment and not kettlebells is, you know, yeah. like, okay, where is it being stored? Will it get wet? How do we move it? You know, stuff like that. Um, but it worked out really well and um you know who doesn't want to go to austin you know it's a cool town yeah and has there been any like i don't know butting of heads or anything like that with rogue or any of the other companies since you guys introduced the 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 bike erg because you guys were kind of in your own lane for a long time there yeah we still kind of are too we're good friends and have a ton of respect for bill and katie at rogue and um so they actually knew before anybody that we were going to do it. We went to them saying, hey, we've been asked for years to make. Well, initially, everybody wanted us to make a bike with arms, like, like for years, even like before a, Assault. Yeah. So, yeah. like, people wanted a Schwinn Aerodyne, and they wanted Concept2 to make it using our technology. And we were never into it because at the time, we say, we're going to stay in our lane. We know rowing. We know skiing. You know, yes, we all mountain bike. We're all avid mountain bikers here, but mm -hmm. we didn't feel we needed it because – we go outside and ride, you know, we can. Yeah. Um, so rather than put arms on it and basically step on toes and uh, I saw it had come out by that point, you know, where they're already selling their bikes and stuff. We're like, we're not going to put arms on it. And everyone thought that was a really bad idea. Um, the other thing that the owners are thought was cool is that, so we make products that replicate sport. And until you go to the Olympics and you see a bike with arms on it, then it's yeah. not ideal. You know, uh, yeah. there's, no, there's no Olympic, air biking with arms so it's not really our deal um but then um we were lucky we brought the bike out when it was done to columbus ohio to show bill and katie and we're like hey we want to show you and then they're like okay we want to show you something and we were like oh no they made a bike too and which they had but it was the echo bike so we're like oh yeah. thank god it's not the same <laughs> it's not yeah. in our our deal so yeah. you couldn't think of like like two different bikes that felt entirely different like, oh no yeah the similarities uh, they have pedals like yeah it's it's, it's even yeah definitely it's um yeah the echo bike which you know it, it's got to be the last thing left for me to jump on in a wad like if if i go in there and like oh shit all of concept two stuff is taken i guess i'll take the echo bike not that it's yeah. a bad product i just know that i'm gonna be whipped after yeah this. oh i dislike that bike so much yeah. it actually Funny that you say that because one of my clients texted me this morning and was like, oh, by the way, I didn't use the Echo Bike today. I used the Assault Bike. And I was like, wait, do you have an Echo Bike? She's like, yeah, I just didn't want to use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the arms are so much beefier on the Echo Bike that I really – and I've never been I've never been good on a bike with arms. I don't know what it is. I just feel like I'm not getting the most out of it. Um, but I also don't practice it, so I can't complain. So. Even from the 
salt bike to the echo bike it's it's like not even close to feeling the same no and then i've used i have friends that are trainers that have the schwinn belt drive ones and even those feel different i mean there's a lot of and you know even the monitor stuff it's like it's tough to say oh if you do this on this you do this on this whereas Mm -hmm. at least for the pm5s that all of our equipment have you know it's a little bit easier to say okay if i do this on the rower this is what it'll look like on the skier I'll double it. That'll be what it is on the bike, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Was that, that's the other thing is how did that decision come about to set up the, the PM fives like that, to set up the monitors. So they're all very congruent and and connected in that way. Well, so that's the thing. So our equipment, because of the fact that we'll start it out with a rower, the accuracy on our equipment is not like any other piece of exercise equipment. I mean, ours is, legitimately accurate which i think it'd be really hard to prove that any other pieces of equipment are are that accurate and that came down to the founders of concept two who realized that there are people making or not making major teams based on their 2k time and it's got to be uh repeatable just like glassman always said it's got to be no matter where you are in the world it's got to be the same um, and that's mm-hmm. why, you know, our really our patent or our technology is on that, you know, that's the part that, you know, we've got under lock and key. Um, and so once we had that with the rower, it only made sense to bring that to the other piece of equipment. I mean, they're all fan based. They're all drag based. The calculations are all based on the deceleration of the flywheel. Um, you know, so it's really the, the accuracy is how it goes. The look of the PM5 was people don't want to learn new stuff. So if they already know the rower, yeah, you don't want to learn new button pushing. It only made sense to do it. And I think, I mean, people really like that. They know they can get on any piece of our equipment and they're going to know how to use it. You know, it's pretty, pretty basic, but the, our monitors aren't just your typical, they're basically little computers. I mean, there's a lot going on that people don't realize in there to make them so accurate. So. We, we can't, we can't end this without talking about the fish game. <laughs> yeah. Now. I'm a, I'm a big fish game person, but who is going to be the first competition to put the fish game in as, so, a, as, a, as a workout? So we have people, and I, I'm all for it, that in our world records on our website, we've got world records for 500 meters, 1,000 meters, marathons, all these different records. We don't have a world record on the fish game yet, and I think that needs to change. Yeah. I'll, I'll give a shout-out to CrossFit Oahu, um, okay. one of the original affiliates. If I hear, remember this right, they used to do what's called the Friday night fish fry. And at the, on Friday nights, their whole affiliate would get together and basically do a fish game fishing tournament. And I think they even made a t-shirt about it, if I remember right on there. Um, so there's a lot of people doing the fish game. It's super popular. Um, I'm thinking that someone needs to make an app that will link with our monitor that literally will allow you to play the fish game against other people around the world you know something like that like a fishing derby would be amazing <laughs> oh that'd be fun i i like the fish game i always try to get people to use the fish game to warm up yeah because then they like you know they play for four minutes and they're like just rowing for four minutes straight and they don't yeah. even know that they just did thousand meters 1200 meters whatever it is that's actually exactly right so we have parents come us all the time they're like my kid hates to exercise but he'll do four fish games back to back so I'm like, and it's like, and not even know that they're doing it. So, yeah. um, you know, if you have to trick a kid into exercise, you know, whatever, but it works, you know, it's doing it on there. Um, there's a, the other real popular game. I am pretty sure Rich Froning came up with it. Was that rolling? Do you remember rolling? rolling. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that could easily be, um, you know, app based. And um, like I got to say Katie Henniger, we did rolling at the games, all the rogue employees and myself and yeah. Katie Henniger can, can make it get a hundred every time meters every time. Like she is like freakishly accurate when enrolling. She's, she's, she'll, she would probably win the world championship on that. So. so for people who don't know what rolling is, is Rich came up with this game on the concept two, uh, or sorry, on the rower that's, you have to try and hit exactly 100 meters. So you every meter plus or minus is a burpee penalty. So if it's, you know, you get 99. Okay. You hop off, you do one burpee penalty, you know, Greg yeah, gets on, hits like bowling, you know, you want to yeah. have low score, low score wins. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, and then, so the other thing is the damper lever, you know, 
it's a lot harder if the damper is down really low because the flywheel spins more freely because it's less air going in. So if everyone is at a high, it's a little bit easier to get it to kind of stop at a certain distance. If you throw it down low, then it kind of want to click over a little bit more on there. So I didn't yeah, that know that. Thing's been real popular over the years. Nice. Actually, that is something I did with, with a, a client of mine. It was a, I don't know, 13 year old boy. He didn't want to do anything. I was like, Hey, try this game. And like you said, he played, I think three times back to back to back. Yeah. Just... There's a game on there called the dark game. You should get that. You should get him to try that. And what it does is it's meant to replicate a good stroke. Unfortunately, it'll replicate bad strokes too. But um, so there's a dartboard and you get a couple of strokes. So it establishes an average and your arrow goes onto the target. You wanted to, to hit the center of the target. And then every stroke after that, as far as pace or um, acceleration, power output, all that stuff makes the arrow fly exactly the same. If you're okay. not a consistent rower, those arrows go all over the place. Like you might hit the bull yeah. by once and then the other one will go off and you get a score on that too. I think the, the dark game is, uh, is, is a fun one to try too. It's, it's frustrating, okay. but it's fun. Yeah. I'll play with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, for kind of the the next steps for you guys, do you guys have some some more things coming down the pipeline, or are there big events coming up for you guys that you guys can talk about right now? Yeah, I mean, um, we don't know what events we'll be in, but we know we'll be in some uh, most likely um, for the um, for the semifinals. Um, it, again, it's we never really know until like the last minute. Um, but I would assume that we would be, I mean, we're hoping that we'll be in the games again. I mean, we've been in every one so far. So, I mean, uh, I would, it would suck if we weren't, but I would think we'll be doing that. So those would be the big ones. Um, you know, reg uh, on water events are going again. Colleges are back. Um, our, we are, our, our backlog now is in oars right now. We okay. can't, you know, cause with the colleges were shut down, nobody was buying new equipment and now they're all back. And so, now, like right outside the door here, we're making oars and the shop is just like the guys are, are basically getting crushed by orders with oars right now, trying to get them out the door because even even up north here, you know, the lakes and the rivers are, are starting to ice is coming off of them now. So people all want their equipment. So that's that's it for the oars. Are they all custom made or is it um, all custom? If you call it yeah. to buy an oar, it's a it's a, a roll of carbon fiber and it goes from there to exactly your specs on there and. Um, you know, right down to the blade shape, uh, grip type, you know, all that stuff. And then we send it out as a finished product at the other end. So, Jeez. Yeah. when you guys do customers, especially for like the highest level, are they making really minor changes to, to like little things or do they take them pretty stock and just adjust like the way they like them? Well, so they have, they rig them based on what, on the athlete. So they, they have their, uh, length adjustable. You know, within a certain amount, you know, five yeah. centimeters here or there, um, the blade shapes really come down to um, the athlete and the coach and what the feel is that they want in the boat. Um, but I mean, they're all, you know, if you went to the Olympics, they'd all to a, a non rower would look pretty similar. Um, you know, we sell different flexes, soft, medium, hard flex, you know, how much think of like a fishing pole whip or bend you want in the mm -hmm. oar. Um, but when they place an order, they, they say, you know, the blade type, the, uh, the flex, you know, the length, you know, all this different stuff, the grip type. And then um, we have this little sheet and basically just run through the sheet and just build it to their spec. But we have weird stuff like in Canada, they have like ice boat racing. And, you know, um, we actually just made a set for there's some CrossFitters that are going to roll across the Atlantic. Um, Tosh, uh, Brian Contosh uh, is going to be rowing in a four man group across the Atlantic. Um, it's the Tasker Whiskey Challenge, if anyone wants to look it up. And then Chris Smith, who owned CrossFit Trident, he's another person in the boat. They're all veterans. And so okay. we made them an extra special custom pair of oars that they can use to roll across the Atlantic. So. Jeez. Is that... Nothing say, I that say that competition name again? It's the, I think it's the Tasker Whiskey Challenge in there. Okay. So if they Googled that, they'd be able to find it. And I think the name of their team is Shut Up and Row, <laughs> so they can find them. Yeah. Fair. Okay. <laughs> um, and then what about for uh, indoor erg events this year? Do you guys have the world championships, or is it the Crash Bees? 
So, um, so there's a crash bees. We, that used to be the world championships. The crash bee still happens, but it was always in Boston and we mm -hmm. wanted to take it more global. So, you know, since we've the actual world championships, they've been in France once they've been in Canada. Um, we're trying to make it so that we can make that go around the world. But of course it's been on pause uh, with yeah. COVID. So I'm not sure right off the bat, I'm assuming this year that they'll, it'll be somewheres, but I'm not sure, sure where that the, the big regatta events like that, I really haven't been doing much with because my big events are going to be games and rogue invitation yeah. and stuff like that. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, Greg, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Um, if anybody wants to check you out, it's Greg, sorry, concept Two Greg yep. on Instagram. Yep. Concept Two Greg. And then there's concept Two Inc, which is also the, the main account. Um, mine tends to be more CrossFit action sport focused, um, and adaptive. I, I actually try to promote a lot of the CrossFit adaptive athletes just cause they impress the hell out of me. I figured the more eyes on them, the better. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. And if any questions too, they can email call concept Two. We're super easy to reach. Awesome. Greg, thanks so much for joining us again. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no and, problem. Uh, I appreciate it. Have a great week, guys. Uh, have a good one. With the Wadproof Pro Experience, you'll get instant access to training programs from some of the best coaches on the planet. From full training programs in the gym and at home, to movement-specific programs for weightlifting, gymnastics, engine, endurance, rowing, and more. We have a program that is designed for your needs, whether you are a beginner or a pro. Every training session introduces a series of questions. Am I happy with my performance? Where could I have gone faster? When will I be ready to go again? For Wadproof Pro athletes, also this question. What can I learn from that workout? With a Wadproof Pro subscription, you gain access to a complete training toolbox. From a full-featured exercise log, to side-by-side -side comparisons, to the ability to record your heart rate right alongside your rounds and reps. You have at your fingertips everything you need to learn, to make progress, and to go into tomorrow's training more prepared than today's. The best athletes are the best students, and with your Wadproof Pro subscription, you will have in your pocket the education you need to elevate your training and uncover the many lessons that every single workout offers you. Subscribe today so you can get better tomorrow.